The Canby Report was produced and recorded on the traditional and unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Quiquitlam peoples. It's October 15th, 2021, and there are 365 days exactly until the Vancouver municipal election. This is the Cabby Report. We are one year out, everybody. I'm Matthew Naylor. And I'm Ian Bushfield. 12 months. 12 months. What a time to be alive. This is going to be a fun campaign, everyone, but we thought we'd take a bit of a step back today and look at the last campaign. I was just in Calgary over the last couple of days for uh, a bit of a family issue, and they are in the dying days of their municipal campaign, electing a new mayor to replace Nahid Nenshi. It's Arcus versus... Yeah, Jody. Jody. Yeah, Jody Gondek. And also possibly a guy named Davidson. So Probably uh, not, though. From probably the not. But they might get fluoride in their water again. Oh yeah. What a what a what a stupid thing to even a vote on. Like actually one of my first political memories is reading the candidate profiles to my dad in a municipal election like several decades ago as he was driving to the Arbor Lake Community Center and helping him decide who to vote for. And it, it, you know, it, it warms, warms my heart because I ended up doing exactly the same thing as I was driving around Calgary with him this past week. At least here in Metro Vancouver and Vancouver specifically, we have municipal slates. So you don't have to think that hard. You don't have to figure out from the buzzwords in their profiles, which party or ideology these candidates really fit with. You, they just label themselves and put that banner nice and high so yes. you can be lazy but if you want someone to do some of that thinking for you we encourage you to go to patreon.com slash report yes patreon.com slash report where you can sign up give us a few bucks a month get into our slack and have non-stop conversations for the next 12 months and beyond so this is quite a council. It's been quite the three years of government or lack thereof in the city of Vancouver. We thought we'd take a bit of a step back and look at how our endorsements went, some of the issues that plagued the last campaign, how those have resolved. Did you know that there is still a housing crisis? <laughs> it's still very expensive to live in Vancouver. Yeah, that's why you ended up moving to Cook with them, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> the only place I could find. Not even an affordable home, just one within our extended budget. Yay for 30-year mortgages Woo! when you have a big down payment. We made some predictions. We made some endorsements back in 2018. Mine were on Facebook on October 8th. We put up an episode a dozen days before the election, roughly or less, who... Each of us wanted to highlight some candidates we thought were interesting. A few days ago, this popped up on my Facebook feed as, remember this? And I was like, oh, is this embarrassing? And it's there's some I was like, wow, I picked John Cooper as a backup for Parks. That 
I would not have done knowing how he's done on that board. Yeah. I like bikes, by the way. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> so why don't, why don't we start off with those? Why don't we start out, in fact, at the very top with our mayoral endorsements? <laughs> I pick Kennedy Stewart. I mean, he won. I don't know what Ken Sim as NPA mayor would have done. I'm interested in maybe we'll get into it when we discuss where they are now and where they're going. Where I think Ken Sim might be going, that's much more interesting than where he was in 2018. But the vision he had, Sim, this is, of two basement suites in every home as the solution to the crisis wasn't the most inspiring. Stuart, I thought, did put forward a good platform and campaign, but here we are several years later with maybe not a lot to show for it. But you wrote some things about Kennedy at the time. Yeah, I did. And so my, my endorsement was for doomed uh, candidate Hector Bremner. Who ultimately uh, placed fifth, I believe. Uh, yeah, fifth in a field of three. But having interviewed Kennedy Stewart, for probably the last time, I said that he strikes me as a friendly and affable political opportunist willing to take the easy route out of any situation. He seems like someone who knows many things but believes nothing particular other than, perhaps, in Kennedy Stewart. The fact that he ran for the mayoralty because Research Co. put his name on a poll as a throwaway answer speaks volumes about the guy. I thought that he believes nothing in a lazy, dangerous kind of way as compared to someone who I, I thought would have actually made a pretty good mayor, Shauna Sylvester, who has disappeared entirely from the conversation. Well, I, I at least picked the guy who won, if that counts for anything. On council, though, I only managed to pick two winners, possibly two more, because I added some caveats of, here are some other interesting alternates if you don't like my pick. So I picked Christine Boyle and Gene Swanson, as well as a slate of other Vision, Cope, One City, and Adrian Crook as my nominees for council. Right. My council endorsements, continuing my streak of doom, I endorsed the entire Yes Vancouver slate, including, regrettably, Phyllis Tank, who has gone on to be part of the NPA board takeover and the yes vancouver slate had the right idea with their radical solutions on zoning and i thought that they were the only ones willing to upend the apple cart and redevelop said apple cart into condominiums i also picked michael weep and christine boyle as well as independence adrian cook and wade grant so i think we both ended up with roughly the same amount of correct council picks and Weep's had quite a time on council. Oh, yes, he has. Uh, and almost not on council. One alleged conflict of interest can spook you from voting for anything, it turns out. Uh, I also managed to endorse, as my honorable mentions, uh, Rebecca Bly, who did get elected, and stating that you should definitely not vote for Adrian Carr and Melissa DiGenova, a prediction that has, like my Kennedy Stewart disendorsement, been rather correctly borne out, I think. Well, excuse you, but on Tuesday coming up, Melissa DiGenova may see free parking for veterans become law in Vancouver. So do you hate the troops, Matthew? I love the troops, Ian. I love them 
love them so much. I just feel like free parking for everyone who's gone through basic training is probably not, uh, good urban planning. She kind of led the fight as well against the recent, you know, the parking motion we discussed on the last one. You know, we spent a lot of time on Carity Stewart because his was the most unexpected switch, but hell, she's the only NPA member left on council. Yeah. Basically, what, what I'm learning is that you should really listen to me when I tell you to not vote for someone. <laughs> School board. I picked pretty much the VDLC slate with the addition of Morgan Auger, and I maybe dropped a green from there. Yeah, I don't think I voted for Lois Chan Pedley, who did get elected and I think has been a pretty good candidate or trustee. Among those, I picked... Jennifer Reddy from One City, Barb Parrott of Cope, and Alan Wong of Vision all got elected. My school board picks were actually pretty accurate. I voted for, of the Green Slate, Lois Chan Pedley, Dr. Janet Frazler, and Estralita Gonzalez, uh, as well as Fraser Ballantyne and Carmen Cho from the MPA, uh, Jennifer Reddy from One City, and uh, Alan Wong from Vision. Looking at how school board has gone these past few years, that's quite the selection of votes, though, considering how you've had Ballantyne and Reddy on like the polar opposite ends of that school board. You just like chaos, Matthew. I do like chaos. I do like chaos. And I think a little bit of chaos can really shake a city up or a school board, I guess. I I actually find it, it interesting how sometimes the... NPA and the Greens have been able to work better together than with Jennifer Reddy and Alan Wong. So I, I think it's, it's an interesting school board that we did end up with. Finally, Park Board. I once again picked a pretty leftist slate with Greens, Dave Demare and Camille DeMont winning, as well as Cope candidates, Gwen Giesbrecht and John Irwin. My, you know, different picks in there is Matthew Kagus from the Work Less Party, just because I've met him and the Work Less Party just amuses me for what we should all be doing more of. Working less. Yeah. Fascinatingly, for some reason, I put John Cooper and Leo Hebba from Yes on my alternates for parks. Having watched John Cooper's record on bike lanes and other options at parks, I kind of regret that a little bit. I think I really got swayed by the, he saved Bladell and he probably knows what he's doing on parks. Yeah. That, that was explicitly my reason for voting for John Cooper, uh, because I do think that there is, you know, I think it's important that you should have a place in the city to go look at cool plants and saving the Bladell conservatory is, is a, a reason that he got quotes a pass, whether he's going to get a pass again in his mayoralty, he's just not like, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not going to vote for John Cooper. <laughs> uh, I also voted for Trisha Barker as well as Paul Biesla from the MPA, Trisha Barker getting elected, Leo Heba from Yes Vancouver, and then successful candidates, Camille Dumas and Dave Dem The park board was so obsessed with Wales three years ago, and it's just, it's just not a thing to worry about anymore. No, Particularly it's because the pandemic almost killed the aquarium until Dolly, Dolly Parton's <laughs> company saved it. So 
Bailing, 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 bailing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think that gives us a good roundup of, in a weird way, of how 2018 went. But we can pivot to what I want to call the like, where are they now segment. And so I spent a little bit of time looking at the top mayoral candidates and their parties to figure out where they went because we spent so much time on them. Yeah. That uh, it'd be good to find. And I think it, it's worth starting with the person who was the longest serving mayor of the city who left office in 2018. The guy we got a very brief interview with, Gregor Robertson. Where is the juice king now? He is now the sustainable construction king as he is the executive vice president of Nexi Builds, a company that tries to do zero emission building construction. It's that very is, him. It's very him. I mean, Vision still, I think, has a lot to answer for in terms of creating the housing crisis that we are currently enjoying so much. But he did do something in, in terms of, of housing, which is more than you can say for our current mayor and council. The other thing Robertson was in the news for in the last few years was getting married to Eileen Park, a TV producer, in December 18, 2020. That mo mainly became notable as she became an outspoken critic of anti-Asian racism and ran into a Twitter spat with local person Bob Mackin. And I'm just going to say it that I admire her for cyberbullying to Bob Mackin. <laughs> well, as considering how, how we've been podcast bullying Bob Mackin, <laughs> I, I think we'd have very few legs to stand on if, if we didn't. Uh, line up behind the new wife of Craker Robertson. What about the rest of his party? Where is the rest of Vision these days? So as we alluded to earlier, there's one caucus member of Vision Vancouver, Alan Wong on school board. Otherwise, the party has been somewhat defunct in the last few months. They've started hosting a few events. They announced and we talked about this previously on the show that they are running a contest for council, school board, and park board uh, candidates. At, on the other hand, the VDLC has just closed the door to endorsing them, saying, you did bad at the housing crisis. We don't want you anymore. Did they, though? Like, this is the thing that I think the VDLC is, well, a little out to lunch on, to be honest, because... If they did bad at the housing crisis, why did you endorse them last time? Your guess is as good as mine. I think they thought they still had some gas left in the tank and were going to be better on housing than the NPA. Yeah, fair from enough. A left, from a left perspective, at least, too. Yeah. And instead, we got a council that was neither good from the left perspective nor the right perspective. So, uh, yeah, I don't know where Vision is going without... VDLC support, maybe they try and fight it, maybe they try and resurrect it, and maybe they call it a day and move on to the other parties that we'll get to. Yeah, it's worth noting that their erstwhile mayoral candidate, Talib Nur Mohammed, was elected as MP in Vancouver Granville in the recent federal election. They had, who is the other vision candidate who dropped out? Ian? Ian Campbell. Campbell. I don't know what he's been up to in the interim years. I didn't manage to look him up. Yes, he dropped out because it was revealed that there were some 
domestic disturbances that were in his past that were not made known to people during the vetting process. And so he resigned as Vision's mayoral nominee. According to his LinkedIn, which is very sparse, he continues to be a negotiator and cultural ambassador for the Squamish nation. But that may not be updated like many people's LinkedIn's. Next up, Kennedy Stewart. We know where he is at. He is mayor. Yep. Such a mayor. He is also launching a Team Kennedy slate following some strong polling that we've talked about on the podcast. When you attach a brand to the independent who is not unpopular, it pulls better than things people don't have good feelings about, like Vision Vancouver. You know, I continue to see increasing grumblings about Kennedy Stewart, whether that's actually going to translate into actual electoral problems for him is uh, a question for another time. But given how the field is so split on the right, I still think the safe money is on Mayor Stewart's re-election. Ken Sim. Yeah, very close second place in 2018. Ran... It, it, he was such a weird candidate, right? He was really fun to interview. He was a great interview. He's such a nice guy. Like I, it's all the culty life mark or whatever it is. Training, mm-hmm. not a cult, just a personal improvement seminar thing that he's involved in. Yeah, very charismatic, very affable, very nice, and he has recently been acclaimed as a better city Vancouver's mayoral nominee. Yeah, he seems to have really enjoyed running for office and I think got, I don't know how engaged he was in municipal politics prior to that campaign. It seemed like the NPA just needed to find someone and that's who they got to put their money behind as they do. But in the process of running and almost winning, he seems to have caught the bug in terms of what could I do for this city? And so he's starting to think a lot more it looks like about what a good Vancouver would look like. And one of the first things he decided was to abolish the park board. He has also put out another Daily Hive article this week where he, you know, kind of talks about now that he's the official nominee of this new political party, what would he do as mayor? A result that was so, so much in doubt. (laughs) He, they tried to pitch it as a contest, but no one seemed to want to run against the guy who had a shoe in. If he was elected mayor, he's now revealed as well. He would bring in a split ward system with five councillors elected at large and five wards. I think this is the exact model Shauna Sylvester pitched because it's one that's within the Vancouver Charter for council to do without significant changes from the province. Yeah, and and I actually think that's a great plan. I have some significant ward envy having been traveling around Calgary these past couple of days. I think that, you know, having the ability to vote for one person to represent you is a good way to run a city. He would also, he also really talked up this idea of a 15 minute city, the idea that you should have all the services you need within 15 minutes of where you live. He clarified in a Twitter thread that that would be walk, bike, roll, or bus. And once you add the bus in there, I feel like that makes most of Vancouver already pretty close to 15 minutes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, 
it's not the highest of, of goals, to be honest, but I, I admire the sentiment. I think what will really make or break Sim's plan and his pitch with a better city is what is going to be their approach to the housing crisis. And we haven't seen that yet. Like, what is their solution? How are they going to fix this besides just, you know, getting in there and ninja upping the planning department using Sim's business acumen and like efficiency tuning stuff he talked with us about. And that is going to require, I think, probably a more systemic and, and thoroughgoing cultural shift within the planning department. I don't know. I feel like the entire planning department should just be given a copy of getting to yes and leave it at that. But what about the NPA? Yeah. So Sim ran with the NPA and after he did not win, it seems like the NPA just kind of started running themselves into the ground. Within a year or two, the board had been taken over by a number of people characterized as far right, people who had been involved in like UBC Free Speech Club and other social conservatives. Anti-Soji stuff in particular being yeah. uh, a big problem for one Rebecca Bly, who left the party in late 2019. You can hear our emergency podcast on that if you go back into the archives following that far-right takeover. And then she was joined in the ex-MPA camp by Colleen Hardwick, Lisa Dominato, and Sarah Kirby Young. So now they're down to Melissa DiGenova as their lone counselor, as well as their two park board commissioners, Cooper and Barker, and I believe the three school trustees, Fraser Ballantyne, Oliver Hansen, and Carmen Cho are all still in the NPA. Though I think the entire caucus did formally denounce the board at different times for, you know, just yeah. being incompetent, not holding AGMs, and making the party look bad by being so homophobic and... It, it would be incredibly difficult for me as a, a gay person to vote for anyone associated with the NPA this time around, given how poorly they've, they've conducted themselves. And it's, it's disappointing, I have to say, to see like such a venerable party go down such a dark road. Interestingly, they also moved very quickly to announce a mayoral candidate, probably the earliest party has ever done so in Metro Vancouver or in the city of Vancouver when John Cooper was picked way early this year as their mayoral candidate. Yes. And Cooper's an interesting choice because I think that was an effort by the board to try to say, look, we're, we're aware that you see us as far right. Cooper is not that. So like he's not a leftist by any sense of the word. He's kind of garden variety, Vancouver fiscal conservative. And so maybe that was their. That was their compromise. Belief. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I have to say, letting yourself be the poster boy, the, the cover for a really dark and frankly, terrible board does not speak well to his character. Shauna Sylvester came in third in that election. Since then, she has become the executive director of the Morris J. Wask Center for Dialogue. I had to look up. She was previously the executive director of SFU Public Square. And I think those are different things. Oh, okay. All right. I, I had thought that they were effectively the same, but I... I they might I, be. Because I knew that she was involved in the Center for Dialogue beforehand, but uh, maybe not as executive director. She also now is the chair of the Tamarack Institute for Community Engagement. 
Yeah, that's something on her LinkedIn. It's something based out of Ontario. I don't know anything about it. It seems like she's still very interested in municipal politics, though. If you go on her Twitter, she is talking about, you know, False Creek South development, which is in the news right now and we'll get to eventually. Not taking strong positions as far as I can tell, but interested in the discussion and interested in being a part of the dialogue. I don't know if that points to a potential mayoral yeah. bid again, but, you know. I think that's just her way. I, I think she mm -hmm. actually is just not interested in taking these strong positions, but rather being more of a, a person who is, is willing to rigorously and strenuously engage people in what they think rather and believing in a better city, but not in a way to a better city. Next down the mayoral docket for reference, Kennedy, Sim, Kennedy Stewart and Ken Sim both got just under 50,000 votes. Shauna Sylvester took 35,000 with just under 12,000 votes was Wei Young and Coalition Vancouver. In the interim, Wei Young tried running again in Vancouver South in 2019 and lost to Harjit Sajjan for the second time. In 2020, she endorsed Peter McKay in the conservative leadership race. Feels like an interesting choice for her. He was like the least socially conservative. Yeah, although Aaron O'Toole does also appear to have turned out to be like a relatively socially liberal uh, leader. I think, I think that's just because, well, she might just be a bit of a star fucker, to be honest. <laughs> I, I tried going through her Twitter to see what else she's been doing up until about February. She was pretty active on Twitter, retweeting Brian Lilly and just anything slagging off the federal liberals. She was upping Aaron O'Toole stuff after he got elected. She's basically flying the conservative banner pretty high. So fine, high, in fact, that the top of her Twitter page still has her campaign banner from 2019. But since February, I have no clue what's happened to Wei Young. I could not find any trace of her on the internet. She ran with Coalition Vancouver, which you can now purchase. Not, not like as the party, but rather their website is now available if you want to I a political party banner in Vancouver, and it hasn't tweeted at all since the day after the election. Which we'll find out is better than some other parties. Co yeah, so coalitionvancouver.ca, go to your favorite registrar, and it's like 17 bucks a year to get Woo. that domain if you want it. Maybe the Coalition of Vancouver Neighborhood Associations should get it. I think they have coalitionvan.ca. Oh, actually, yeah, they absolutely should buy it. <laughs> Next up, is Hector Bremner, who got oh, 9,924 votes. My choice for mayor, that doomed campaign, uh, he is now doing okay for himself. He's now the CEO of uh, Avricor Health, a creator of the Health Tab testing system. Yeah, this is one of those companies I scrolled around on their website for a while trying to figure out what it exactly does, but it looks like they create this console that pharmacies can put in place to easily test blood sugar levels of patients and stuff like that and share the results with doctors and pharmacists. I don't know. It's health tech stuff. Seems interesting enough. Slightly more interesting is Hector's wife, Virginia Bremner, ran for the federal liberals in 2020. No, ran for the federal liberals a few months ago in 2021 now against Don Davies in his riding. You know, pretty much the safe, one of the safest NDP ridings in the country. Uh, yeah, I think the last time that the federal liberals won that was the 2006 election when David Emerson was elected. 
briefly for the federal liberals. That campaign brought her into the spotlight a little as Davies was given an award by a Filipino Canadian association. And then he was asked, you know, how do you feel about receiving this while running against a Filipino Canadian? And then he slagged her off as being like a token being used by that community because, and she doesn't even live in the riding and just like some weirdly ugly stuff. She, okay. She lives very close to the riding. Like it's, it's not like she's not tile. Anyway, people called this out. Davies was in the wrong here. I think he may have even been forced to apologize for it, but it was just another ugly moment. It's kind of like when he like went, NIMBY against Tamara Taggart when she was running against him. Liberals set him off, I guess. As do what, apparently what about housing the party? developments. Yeah, what about Yes Vancouver? Uh, so a couple months ago, back in April, they said to watch for a big announcement about the future of the party in the coming months. And, quote, early next year, we will be starting a fair and open candidate selection process, end quote. In the interim period, Mark Marison, one of the strategists behind Yes Vancouver, has launched his own mayoral bid. Yeah, Marison's got a fundraising launch dinner coming up, I think. Otherwise, there hasn't been a lot from him that I've been able to notice or see since he did his initial campaign launch, which I think was at like the start of the summer when everyone was getting going. Yeah. It's still very early, but it feels like right now there's more wind in Ken Sims' sails. Oh, towards yeah. the mayor's seat than Marison's. For sure. You know, as we found out last time, it's a long campaign and anything can happen. Yeah, Kennedy wasn't even officially in until like June or later, I think. So everyone's just like overeager this time. Speaking of overeager, I want to talk about a couple more candidates who, you know, didn't get zero votes or didn't get below a thousand kind of thing. <laughs> because some of these parties we spent so much time on and one of the ones i don't think we spent any time on was vancouver first which was headed by fred harding but they got 5640 votes for mayor yeah i barely remember i i had to be reminded of fred harding's candidacy and he has returned to running a vancouver beijing consultancy yeah he's just back to doing the work he was doing he tweets infrequently. His last tweet, funnily enough, was from May when he said we should seize all the assets of the Catholic Church. I think he was feeling the public rage about the discovery of unmarked graves. Well, and rightly so. I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic and the shadow of the apology that the Catholic Church has issued is barely, like, it's barely coming close to being insultingly inadequate. That, They're sorry things weren't done otherwise. Yeah, no shit. Vancouver First, meanwhile, and that's first spelt the number one ST. Their website still exists, but hasn't been updated since the election. And their last tweet was, in fact, on October 20th, 2018, so election day. I also appreciate that their Twitter handle is Van1ST2018 which showed how committed they were to being a long-term force in Vancouver <laughs> politics. What about David Chen? So pro-Vancouver was more of a thing in the election, I think because they were so active on Twitter. Like Fred Harding, we barely noticed, but he got some votes. David Chen ultimately got 3,500 votes. 
like barely registering, but he's above the kind of floor where you have people like Golok Bude, Roller Girl, and kind of all the other no-name independents yeah. who put their name forward because it was so easy. David Chen is still a voice in Vancouver politics, kind of. He's still actively tweeting about it. I like to I would say he's still shitposting about it. Just today, for example, he retweeted a Bob Mackin tweet saying that it is, quote, evidence of Ken Sim's support of CCP and Beijing's interests. Anyone supporting KS is supporting CCP influence on local politics, which is a hell of a take. That's bananas. That's that's so Brad West level. That's so actively bananas that it is like a full on smoothie. Pro Vancouver's website, meanwhile, is just a nation builder page that says cannot be found. So they have just stopped paying for that, but they still own the domain at least. Now the other parties, the ones that didn't run for mayor. There, well, I mean, there are more that we won't talk about because there were just random parties like Idea, Vancouver, and some things like that that are worth talking about. The Vancouver Greens came out of that election very strong. They elected everyone they ran except David Wong. Wong is fascinating. He was their fourth council candidate. He has now teamed up with Colleen Hardwick to relaunch Team Vancouver. We talked about that, I think, on the last week's show. The other candidates did super well. Adrian Carr and Pete Fry were the top vote getters on council. Well, Michael Weeb was sixth on park board. Their candidates were the top three commissioners to get elected, who each got 15,000 more votes than John Cooper. And on school trustees, they, you know, Janet Fraser took over 75,000 votes and the others did really well as well. Actually, Chan Pedley placed seventh of nine. So she was not at risk of not getting in, but was the weakest of the Greens. Though I, I like personally, I'm glad I voted for her. And I think that she has been a, a particularly good school board trustee. Yeah, the Greens did well there. I don't know how well they're vehicle of a party has been doing in the interim yeah it still exists in a way that cope who we'll get to doesn't cope just stops existing between elections it seems these days the greens are in a good position i don't think they will want to run a mayor but they probably could and if they did could do competitively yeah and i think that the greens running a mayoral candidate is probably kennedy stewart's worst nightmare Next up, we have the One City Party. This was a party, they weren't formed in 2018. They were formed the election before that, 2014, when they elected Carrie Burkick to a school board and tried to get in on council. It was weird because Burkick lost her seat on school board, but Jennifer Reddy got in and got third place. That's odd. That's weird. It's And I don't know anyone who was like, damn, Carrie Burkick was a shit trustee. Right? <laughs> the only people on school board that had strong opinions was Patty Bacchus. Like, I see people voting against Patty Bacchus. I don't see people voting against Carrie Burkick. Yeah. I'd vote against Patty Bacchus. It's a shame she's not running because I missed the privilege of voting against her. <laughs> Christine Boyle did play seventh out of ten. Boyle and Reddy have both announced that they are running again with one city in the next election. And I think it remains to be seen how many candidates they choose to run overall, though the party has been pretty active through this whole period. At least I'm on their email list and they regularly send up, up send out updates. What about Cope? 
Cope had a really weird election night. Gene Swanson placed fourth, which was a really strong position to get onto council, while their other candidates for council didn't do so well. That said, they managed to squeak two onto park board in sixth and seventh place, and they got the eighth person onto school trustee, but their uh, other school trustee, Diana Day, an Indigenous woman, was just beat out by Alan Wong, so they didn't get that seat. Derek O'Keefe did not get his seat on council either, so... Like Cope did well, possibly just on brand recognition for some of those other seats and with the VDLC endorsements. The party itself, like their Fantasies, website, it's gone. It, yeah, they're, it's the website still lists the platform from 2018 and hasn't been updated. Someone is running the social media, but it's a fascinating look because it has things like. Their Instagram will auto post to their Twitter, but some of their Instagram posts are just screen captures of their Facebook page. So you get Cope tweets that are like, Cope has posted to Instagram and then a link and you go to it and you're looking at like a a Facebook page, except it's like cropped. So you can't see a third of the picture. (laughs) Amazing. And that's the coalition of progressive electors. But Swanson has her support on council and I, would I'm curious to see how she does if she goes for a re-election bid. Yeah, and what do you think that the chances of that are going to be? I think it's high, although the question is how much energy does she have for it? She's 78 years old, which yeah. is not the youngest on council by a lot. Like, there's a lot of people I wonder about how many are running again. So we know Christine Boyle and Kennedy Stewart are running again. I would suspect Adrian Carr and Pete Fryer running again. Mike Weeb, I would probably say yes, but I could also see him going no, and fuck just it. Yeah. walking away from all of that. Yeah, I, like I think that Michael Weeb really wanted to run for mayor uh, at one point, but I I think that that has been scuppered somewhat. Melissa Genova will run for the NPA. It seems like she's a strong flag bearer for that brand, no matter. What happens? Maybe she's got mayoral hopes in her future. Oh, yeah, she absolutely does. <laughs> or higher office. What do you think about the other independents besides Colleen Hardwick, who seems most likely to run either mayoral or council with team? Like my predisposition is to vote for doomed candidates, obviously. So I'm going to probably vote for one of the the non-Ken Sim right-wing candidates again, not John Cooper. It's probably going to be Marison, the most center of them. But that is, of course, if the Marison candidacy doesn't implode or or disappear before the the vote. It's it's interesting to see, like whether or not the not VDLC, but the um, the other labor organization that has decided to not endorse Kennedy Stewart, whether that's going to cajole any other left-wing candidates into the race because there is still quite a bit of time left yeah that's a bc geu i think we talked about yeah there's who've been talked about andrea reimer comes up quite regularly and she has not ruled it out although she's still just kind of floating around the sphere of vancouver politics i think she's more engaged in it in this last year than she was even a year or two ago or more when she first got off of council, she was putting that behind her in many ways, it seemed like. What about you? What do you think of the also rants? Oh, well, the thing I'm curious about is what happens with 
these independent counselors now, like does Rebecca Bly, Sarah Kirby Young and Lisa Dominato choose to join up with the A Better City crew and Ken Sim, or do they try and run on the strength of being an independent, which is a suicide attempt as a counselor? Or do they just walk away from municipal politics? Like, it seems like each of them could do better. I would put even money on those. It's a tough job being a Vancouver City Councillor. And while we shit on these people all the time, I do admire them for putting their names out there and, and, and getting involved in public service. Yeah, they don't have major staff. If they do even have staff, it's one person. Often it's a part-time person. So they're doing a lot of work on their own. They are paid, but they're not paid, you know, they're not yeah. paid as much as MPs or anything like that. So it's a tough role, a lot of work. You get yelled at all the time. I can imagine why you wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. So I, I can also imagine why people would want to. And these are all people who did want to at one point in their lives. You know, it's. It's a tough thing to walk away from because many of these people are, are, are going to have projects that they have been working on that uh, are not going to be done in this, this particular term. And I can see many of them wanting to continue their work in order to, to push that forward. What are we going to be looking for in counselors coming forward? I'm curious to see who fills out the slates of all these new parties? Who, who are the kinds of people that get attracted to run for a better city, Vancouver? Who are the kinds of people that go for team Kennedy's slate? Does anyone actually respond to visions call for candidates? Yeah. Like literally anyone. <laughs> it's going to be fascinating. And this is going to be a campaign, possibly even more interesting than the last one. Maybe not at the mayoral level though. Uh, again, one, one strong candidate on the left will shake up the race in a substantial way. Which has already been shaken up yeah. quite a lot more than we would have expected. I think right after 2018, it seemed like, well, Kennedy Stewart has re-election bid in the bag if he wants it. And he seems very concert, making a very concerted effort to make it hard for himself to get re-elected. Harder than it had to be. So um, it seems like we're set up to litigate all the same issues. As you mentioned off the top, housing has not been solved. The overdose epidemic has turned into a poison drug crisis, crisis worse than COVID and does not seem to be moving. Although council has, with Kennedy's support, notably made some efforts to try to get higher level governments to do the things they can because the city doesn't have a ton of tools to, you know, make drugs free and safe. It's the one very good thing he's done. COVID has become an issue that I don't think anyone obviously could have picked, predicted in 2018. And so how the city continues to navigate out of that, especially as the future of transit is now on the table as Transport 2050 is out. And I'm hoping to actually speak to someone from TransLink about that next week. And Metro Vancouver has released Metro 2050. These are going to be the big plans on how the city and the region's transit and development should proceed over the next 30 years. 
We still have a city plan underway. Oh, that's Michael Weeb's baby. That's everyone's baby at this point. They all wear that ball of shame. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Will it be anything? Will is it be kind of the question for this council and the people who want to run next year? Will it be anything is both a question appropriate for both the city plan and any councillors uh, and really any progress at all on city council. I'm looking forward to this campaign and I am looking forward to going through it with you, dear listeners. I think it's going to be a hell of a time. 365 more days. We can do this, everyone.